You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. It has been a wake-up call for many parents, many concerned citizens. What's being taught, what has been taught, and what is planned to be taught in our public schools? Well, some of this is coming to light, and it's really rather disturbing. We do have a few politicians who have actually woken up to what public schools are teaching and are trying to do something about it. One of them is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and he's catching a lot of heat for doing so. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about combating critical theory in our schools, Joy Pullman. She's executive editor of The Federalist and author of the book, The Education Invasion. Joy, welcome back. Hi there, Todd. What accusations has the Biden White House been leveling at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis regarding education in state? Well, over the weekend, both um, the White House press secretary and the vice president, Kamala Harris, claimed that DeSantis was trying to keep African-American history from being taught in Florida schools. That's because the governor has refused to allow into the state a high school class written by the private organization called College Board. It's kind of testing out an African-American studies class. But the problem is that while, of course, African-American history is taught alongside American history in all Florida public schools by law, as the governor's press team has been showing, on on social media. The other problem is that this kind of draft class that the governor blocked from coming into Florida really wasn't about African-American history at at all. It was, I I would say, you know, based on reviewing the available materials, really kind of a, a revisionist encouragement of racial violence and strife. And so there were a lot of readings, for example, from Black Marxists, kind of Black Panther type of people. And not surprisingly, rather than focusing on, you know, notables such as Clarence Thomas, such as Martin Luther King Jr. and the rest. So I I guess it's pretty fair to say that the White House kind of gloss on this is completely inaccurate and unfair to the state and that Governor DeSantis made a pretty obviously right call. So what did DeSantis actually do? So the College Board is an organization that puts out the SAT college entrance exam, and it's also in in charge of these advanced placement classes. Those are high school classes that can give students college credit in high school. And so it's trialing a new course out of its many offerings for that. And it's supposed to be an African-American history class. It applied to the state of Florida to be allowed to teach the final version of that class in Florida public schools. And Florida's Department of Education looked at it and found that the proposed class actually violated Florida's anti-racism law, which bans teachers from, you know, making kids feel bad on account of their skin color or claiming that, you know, they're guilty of crimes and inhumane behavior done by other people simply because they share similar skin colors. How has DeSantis responded to the White House? 
Well, as I mentioned earlier, he, as well as, you know, his education department leaders have been, for example, putting on social media pictures of this Florida law that requires the teaching of African-American history alongside American history. They've also responded by kind of giving quotes from the materials that the College Board submitted for approval, which really show the radical nature of the class that College Board wanted to teach in, inside Florida. And, you know, those are recommended materials for teachers to give to students, but they include for example, endorsing queer theory. And Governor DeSantis said, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, what does queer theory have to do with African-American history? Basically nothing. And we're not having that taught in Florida public schools. What has Stanley Kurtz uncovered recently that bolsters DeSantis's concerns about Florida public schools? Well, actually, so Mr. Kurtz, who is an acquaintance of mine, and he's a scholar at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, he's been really doing um, good reporting work on this because the College Board actually has been hiding these materials from public view. They're claiming that, that um, you know, these materials constitute a trade secret. They can't publish what they want kids to be seeing in public school classes. But Mr. Kurtz has obtained materials. He's obtained the draft teaching, the curriculum that is put out as well as teacher's guides given to teachers who are teaching kind of the, there's kind of a beta form that's in some public schools right now. You know, so he's gotten a copy of those actual materials from College Board, and that's how we're able to draw the conclusions and how we're able to know that it includes queer theory, that it includes endorsements of racial political violence, that it basically says if you're not participating in a communist struggle against the government that may include violence, then you don't care about black people. That's just a summary of the actual materials that's inside here. And it's because of Mr. Kurtz that we're able to know that and then complain about it as as I'm doing right now. Why do these issues matter outside Florida? Well, the College Board is a nationwide private organization, and they are deeply embedded within public school curricula. I mean, I think the top reason for basically anybody to care about them is because the nation's top high school students tend to take these advanced placement classes. And as I mentioned, since you can get college credit for them, they are often the very last kind of word in each of the subjects that these bright high school students will take. So these are, you know, future business leaders, future teachers, future politicians, future board members of civic organizations, kinds of people. They are being taught to view English, biology, literature, American, European, and world history in an extremely biased far-left manner. And I, I mean, even outside of the politics of all of this, if you just think about the cultural implications, you know, you these courses are basically aiming to be used to teach our next generation of leaders that the United States is systemically racist, that they should accept communism and socialism as, you know, the only just alternatives to resolve racial grievances, as well as other, you know, grievances such as, for example, historic wrongs done to Native Americans. Americans and others. You know, so this is really, you know, about kind of getting a hold of the minds of the next generation of leaders. So what's inside these classes extremely matters to every single person. I mean, the another reason for everyone to care is hundreds of millions of dollars the college board earns every year from each one of the 50 states for administering the SAT for these advanced placement classes. So that's a lot of public dollars going to an entity that in my view is clearly using it to push a political, you know, to help one side of the aisle. And and not only that, but also just flatly to give a false impression of reality and history to the next generation of leaders. 
it is not true that the United States is systemically racist against African Americans at this point in our history. And it's at least debatable and I think flatly false to say that communism, you know, an ideology that has resulted in the mass murder of millions of people across the globe, which continues in, for example, communist China, to present that as a solution to, you know, legitimate crimes in in the past of America's history is frankly not only ridiculous, but very dangerous. Because like I said, communism is an evil ideology that results in mass murder and totalitarianism. So, you know, giving that to young students without giving them countering information and context and so on and so forth is just a way of basically taking control of the future of America and pushing it in one direction that is not only one politics, but also just flatly doesn't reflect actual history and actual reality. What can office holders locally, statewide, nationwide do to get to the bottom of college boards' efforts to indoctrinate students? So as I've been saying here, um, you know, right now we're talking about this very egregious sort of draft new course from College Board, but it's been shown in the past that it's revisions of multiple of its courses. They've been kind of updating them and, and adding new ones over the past maybe five to 10 years here. Scholars from across the ideological spectrum have criticized their revisions of especially history classes as being biased and not including proper historical context. And so we know that this problem isn't just limited to this one African American studies class, but it is spread across these curricula. And as I mentioned, you know, this curricula is being taught to the next generation of leaders. It's being funded by millions of dollars. Probably the majority of states have some and many school districts, you know, are giving huge amounts of money to this organization that is really showing that it doesn't deserve this money and public trust, as well as the mind of students to be entrusted to its care. So I think that any Republican or I mean, I would welcome anyone, you know, including Democrats or independents to look at this entity. I think they need to be examined what it is that the teaching materials are used in local schools that are branded College Board. And if it is established and you find out that, which is likely because it's been shown by independent analyses, that there's not only bias going on, but, you know, attempts to influence children's political predilections, there needs to be accountability had for that and reconsidering the contracts that are given to this large organization. Joy Pullman of the Federalist is our guest. We're talking about combating critical theory in our schools. We'll turn to the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment next. Several issues, etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig even further into St. Luke's Gospel with Written in Heaven, Blessed Eyes and Ears, Good Samaritan, One Thing Necessary, and The Lord's Prayer. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. 
Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, freedom, Vocation, Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu. We're discussing combating critical theory in our schools with Joy Pullman, author of The Education Invasion, This is Issues, Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Expert guests, expansive topics, extolling Christ. That's what you'll find at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. The premier conference for Christian laity is Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. This year's speakers include Mark and Molly Hemingway, Pastor Matt Harrison, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione, Pastor Peter Bender, Kyle Mann, and Pastor Will Whedon. The early bird registration fee is $140. That includes three meals. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or give us a call, 618-223-8385, Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in River Forest, Illinois. Joy, how does the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment come into play in this issue? I quote in my article, that amendment, among multiple others in the Bill of Rights, you know, require the equal application of the law to all Americans. And so what that means is that it's unconstitutional to give racial preferences to or against any racial group. And so, you know, we see, for example, there already are many racial preferences embedded not only throughout academia, but also uh, many businesses. So, for example, many professors who are on hiring committees at state universities and others, you know, say we are told when we're hiring someone that we have to 
give preferential consideration to people of one skin color or ethnic background versus another. And it's actually flatly unconstitutional to take racial differences into account when you're hiring, firing, giving students grades. We also, you know, we also know, you know, for example, in many public school systems, there are efforts to, you know, change the punishments given to kids based on what the kids look like. And that's racist. And we shouldn't be, we should not only should not be afraid to call it racism to treat people differently based on their skin color, but we also, you know, whatever ability of action that we have, whatever sphere of authority that we have, we should work to end that. It should not be happening in the United States that we should be treating people differently under the law or school policies or hiring or any aspect of life in which race has nothing to do with, which is pretty much all of them, we shouldn't be treating people differently on the basis of race. And that's really what all of these, you know, kind of um, critical race theory concepts are really about and what they result in is, you know, giving racial preferences, advantages and disadvantages to people based on what they look like. And that's not only morally wrong, it's unconstitutional. It was wrong to do it en masse to black people in America's history. It's still wrong to do it to black people. It's also wrong to do it to white people, to Asian people, to any person of any hue and color. You know, it's morally wrong. And so we've got to stop it. How do you respond to someone who says that this is an attempt to stifle free speech. I, as I wrote in my piece, anyone is welcome to make any argument publicly that he or she wishes. Go ahead and advocate for having a black student union on your campus, you know, on the sidewalk where anybody can go with their posters and ex exercise his or her free speech. Develop your own email lists, get your own, you know, website and blog posts. Go right ahead. You know, I don't believe in banning people from being able to publicly express themselves in that way. But just because people are able to go ahead and make their voices heard and advocate for, you know, racial segregation and penalties and benefits to people based on their race, I actually, even though I think that's racist, I support people being able to, you know, make that case for that in the public square. But that doesn't require that I have to fund it, that our public institutions have to give funding and support to people making this advocacy. You know, nobody has a right to any public funding or, you know, getting preferences from the government for being given a platform to be given that sort of speech. And so while people should be free to express their racism on the public square, just like I should be free to sit here and talk about it. Nobody is required to give them a platform or to fund their racist speech. So I wouldn't support banning them from banking or from having a website. But I also would, and here I am using my voice to advocate that, you know, they don't get public subsidies for encouraging the pitting of people, Americans against each other based on our skin color. It is uh, reported earlier this afternoon, at least by The Hill, that the college board has announced that it would be revising some of these things. It's not clear as to what those revisions would entail, and they're denying that it is in response to DeSantis's actions. Two thoughts there. Are you hopeful for revisions given the college board's track record? No. And the short answer to that is because, in as I've referred to, for example, College Board redid its American history and its European history classes a number of years ago, and those were widely criticized by scholars of multiple political backgrounds as being really biased and inaccurate historically. 
And even when they revised it, then the same scholar said, look, the revisions don't actually satisfy our critiques. They're still biased and they're still inaccurate. And College Board pretended that its revision actually listened to the critics. And what they really did was just kind of push their bias and inaccuracy and make it a little bit harder to see. So I expect that to be the same thing that happens with the College Board in this case, since it's done exactly the same thing in its previous history. They claim that this is a part of a pre-planned revision of the curricula. Do you think it has been in response to DeSantis's actions? Well, I think certainly it's pretty clear that them coming out with this statement about this revision at this time, right when this whole brouhaha has been happening and has been elevated all the way up to the level of White House attention, you know, that's obviously that they are, even if they say that they're not, they are responding to DeSantis's critique and refusal to allow it in Florida. So that's definitely a, you know, a minor win for DeSantis because College Board, even if they had previously scheduled revisions, they could have held their peace and not decided to talk about them during the exact same five days that they were being heavily criticized, and instead they did. So no matter what they say, they are really tacitly responding to the governor, and kind of their duplicity there is another reason that they shouldn't be trusted. Do you think that Ron DeSantis is the de facto leader in education reform, and what can other governors learn from him and what he's been doing? I think it would be fair to characterize him as that. I mean, especially because he has done, I think, more than any other governor I've ever heard of, especially to go after the political indoctrination that is all throughout not only higher education, but now into K-12. So Florida passed really, really good, actually anti-racist bill forbidding teachers from pitting students against each other based on their skin color. And again, saying, look, you know, if you want to in a private school, punish white or black students more than others because of their race. Okay, maybe, I mean, probably that that would be able to be privately sued under the Constitution. But in state public schools, we're not going to allow that. That's against our state policy. And so that's one of the strongest laws in the country. And it's one, I mean, you know, so many, many other Republican-led states haven't even taken that measure. And that seems to me to be a really basic, obvious one. I mean, if you can't stand against racism, you know, what are you doing in office? <laughs> and not only that, you know, the governor has been a huge leader on expanding. You know, Florida has one of the best school choice ecosystems in the nation. It has for several decades, I would say at least two, if not more. And um, um, Mr. DeSantis has done a number of things to expand that as well. I mean, I always think that there's more things that can be done. One thing I really think that will be really aggressive and accurate and needed to look for in education reform is revisiting the whole teacher credentialing and certification problem, because that's one of the places that is really used to push Marxism into the classroom. It's by teaching it first to the teachers. And so, you know, independent analyses have have shown over and over again that those are the farthest. I said Marxist, and that's not even an exaggeration. You know, they, the education schools very often incorporate Marxist readings, you know, to teachers and shortchange teachers in many other ways. So that's long been known. And I think that's another area of reform that ought to be looked at by every state as well. But definitely, I think if you just copy, you take any Republican governor, including Greg Abbott in Texas, and including I think nearly half the legend, you know, the states are controlled by Republican governors and state houses, if not more right now. And all of them, if they just copied and pasted what DeSantis and his team of Republicans in the legislature are doing in Florida, the country would be immediately improved. Joy Pullman is executive editor of The Federalist and author of the book, The Education Invasion. You can read her columns at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Joy, thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thursday on Issues Etc. We'll discuss pastoral visitation with Dr. Tyler Arnold, and we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy about the transfiguration of our Lord. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.